If you're gay, then you're gay. Don't pretend that you're straight. You could be who you are any day of the week. You are unlike the others, so strong and unique. We're all with you. If you're straight, well, that's great. You can help procreate and make gay little babies for the whole human race. Make a world we can live in where the one who you love's not an issue. Cause we're all somewhere in the middle. We're all just looking for love to change the world. Ah. And we're all here in it together. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine. The nation's longest-running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show. Out front and out loud since 1974. Back from the Antilles, I'm Vosh Bodie. Wow. I'm Wenzel Jones. Rub it in. And I'm Abby Dees, <laughs> and it's so good to hear your voice. <laughs> no, what a delight. He's back from the glamorous Caribbean. <laughs> well, those of us who've been here have been... <laughs> Following, unfortunately, following reports in the media about a gay couple in Georgia being doused with boiling water while they slept. Tonight, we'll talk to one of those young men, uh, Marques Tolbert, about his ordeal. We'll also celebrate the life of our friend and past IMRU guest, Alice Herman, who passed away on Friday night. And talk to singer-songwriter Tom Goss live in studio, Yay! whose gay version of Dusty Springfield's Son of a Preacher Man is blowing up the internet. And you'll hear that tonight. But first, the national and international news from This Way Out. I'm Carol Myers. And I'm Michael LeBeau. With NewsWrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBT communities around the world for the week ending March 19, 2016. Conservative Christians and politicians joined forces this week to successfully gut Australia's federal LGBT-inclusive Safe Schools anti-bullying program. Changes announced by the government of Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull sharply reduced the lesson content restrict it to secondary schools, remove all online links to other material and sites, add provisions that require parental consent, and specify that the program will eventually only be available on a government website. Education Minister Simon Birmingham called it a strong but measured response to critics who have claimed, among other things, that the program promotes pornography and pedophilia. Liberal national backbencher George Christensen described all of the bad content, he said, has been eliminated. Boys in girls' school uniforms, girls and boys using the same toilets, classroom role plays where kids imagine they have no genitalia or they're gay. I doubt the Safe Schools Coalition, who came up with the weird and wonderful elements of this, attempting to instill queer theory, sexual liberation, and Marxism into classrooms, will accept this, he said. And if they don't, the funding will be cut. A spokeswoman for the Safe Schools Coalition said it was reviewing possible responses to the government actions. Lawmakers from Australia's opposition Labour and minority Green parties continue to play schoolyard games over efforts to pass a civil marriage equality bill in Parliament. The two have feuded for months over which party is going to lead the legislative charge toward equality. 
After the Greens helped defeat an attempt to advance a vote on a Labor MP's private member's civil marriage equality bill in the Senate on March 17th, Labor sided with the anti-equality coalition majority a few hours later to scuttle a similar proposal by the Greens. Out opposition Labor Senate leader Penny Wong scolded the Greens for blocking her party's efforts. Don't you ever come in here and tell us how committed you are to this issue, she told them on the Senate floor. Greens Senator Rob Sims accused Labor of using the issue of civil marriage equality as a cheap political wedge. Meanwhile, the Turnbull government still intends to hold a non-binding plebiscite on opening civil marriage to same-gender couples, though it has yet to set the date. A well-respected national accounting firm estimated earlier this week that the total cost of the non-binding public vote would exceed $500 million. Elsewhere, Botswana's highest court on March 16th rejected an attempt by the government to ban an LGBT rights group. The president of the Southern African country's Court of Appeals, Judge Ian Kirby, upheld a 2014 lower court judgment that lesbians, gays, and bisexuals of Botswana should be allowed to register and campaign for changes in anti-LGBT legislation. It is clear that the decision to seek the ban, he wrote in rejecting the government's appeal, interferes in the most fundamental way with the respondents' right to form an association to protect and promote their interest. Botswana President Ian Kama has condemned homosexuality as a corrupting influence of the West, going so far as to ban the distribution of condoms in prisons to clamp down on homosexual activity. The country is one of the world's highest HIV infection rates. Carnal knowledge against the order of nature has been illegal in Botswana since 1885 under laws inherited from British colonizers. It is one of the few anti-gay laws on the African continent to specifically include sex between women. Offenders can be sent to prison for up to seven years. In U.S. news, homophobia teamed up with Islamophobia this week in both houses of the Kansas State Legislature to advance a bill to allow student groups at public colleges and universities to deny membership to anyone based on sincerely held religious beliefs. The Topeka Capital Journal reported that members of the overwhelming Republican majority worried that gays, Muslims, or other outsiders could force their way into Christian organizations in ways that compromise religious liberty of core members. Opponents argued that the measure actually creates special rights for campus-based faith groups. Micah Kubik of the American Civil Liberties Union of Kansas complained that the bill clears a path for student groups to engage in discrimination with impunity and still retain public funding. Student government organizations at the University of Kansas and Wichita State University passed resolutions opposing the bill. Executives with the Kansas Board of Regents warned that the measure could jeopardize federal financial aid to the state's public colleges and universities. The bill now heads to far-right Republican Governor Sam Brownback, who has a lengthy anti-gay resume. According to the Human Rights Campaign, if he signs the bill, it would be the first standalone piece of anti-LGBT legislation to become law in the U.S. this year. Kentucky's Republican-controlled Senate this week approved what opponents have called a license-to-discriminate bill. Senate Bill 180, passed by a vote of 22 to 16, allows businesses and individuals to refuse service to LGBT people based on religious beliefs. The bill now heads to the House, which is controlled by the Democrats. Speaker Greg Stumbo signaled that it would be dead on arrival. We took an oath to uphold the Constitution, he said, not violated. Georgia's Republican Governor Nathan Deal is taking heat from opponents of a so-called religious freedom bill that has passed in both houses of the state legislature. 
Opponents are warning that the measure, which allows businesses and their workers to discriminate against LGBT people based on religious belief, could give hospitals the right to refuse medical care for an individual based on his or her sexual orientation, gender identity, or even race or religion. Deal gave hope to the bill's opponents this week by citing the Bible when he spoke with reporters about whether or not he'll sign it. We do not have a belief in my way of looking at religion that says that we have to discriminate against anybody. Jesus reached out to those who were considered outcasts, he said. I don't think that we have to have anything that allows discrimination in our state in order to protect people of faith. Alabama Senate voted 23 to 3 this week to take the state out of the marriage licensing business. In festering opposition to the U.S. Supreme Court's June 2015 civil marriage equality ruling, the proposal would have all couples, hetero and same gender, affirming their marriage in a form submitted to local government officials. Federal law currently requires probate judges to issue marriage licenses to same-gender couples, although a few in the state have refused to issue any licenses rather than give them to same-gender couples. Republican Senator Greg Alberton, the bill's sponsor, said he's just trying to find a way to solve the problem. The bill goes next to the Alabama State House of Representatives. And finally, in better legislative news for U.S. sexual minorities, the Vermont State Senate approved a bill this week to ban so-called conversion therapy that claims to make gay people straight. It says a medical or mental health professional is guilty of unprofessional conduct for subjecting someone younger than 18 to the practice and punishes violators with sanctions by state regulatory officials. Senate President Pro Tem John Campbell said he was surprised to learn that Vermont had not already banned conversion therapy, calling the practice abhorrent. The bill now heads to the House. If it passes there, it's expected to be signed into law by Democratic Governor Peter Shumlin, making Vermont the fifth U.S. state to ban the practice. That's News Wrap for the week ending March 19, 2016, produced by Steve Pride, written by Greg Gordon, and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by you. Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm Michael LeBeau. And I'm Carol Myers. You can hear all 30 minutes of This Way Out on free podcasts at thiswayout.org and on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. Also on the show this week, People's Poets praise sister outsider Audra Lord at the first annual birthday celebration of the late great poet, activist, and educator. Queer Irish come home for the first time in more than 25 years at the New York City's, uh, uh, excuse me, St. Patrick's Day. See, I'm so not (laughs) used to it. I didn't even know how to pronounce it. And even more. You can hear all that. Yes. Now, if you've been following the news, you know that homophobes in the state of Georgia are working very hard to legalize discrimination in the form of a religious freedoms bill. Uh, Actions like this empower people into feeling as though they can sort of take out their discrimination uh, on innocent victims. And on February 12th, Marquez Talbert and his boyfriend, Anthony Gooden, uh, were victims of such type of crime against gay people. We are so lucky tonight to have Marcus Talbert on the phone with us from Georgia uh, to talk about what went on, life in Georgia, how he's doing, etc. Marquez, are you on the phone with us? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hi. Well, this is Vosh Bodhi. We are uh, broadcasting out of Los Angeles on KPFK. I want to thank you so much for being a part of the show tonight. How no are you problem. feeling today, Marquez? Um, I'm feeling better, you know, taking it day by day. 
Now, for those who uh, have not heard, you were doused with boiling, boiling water and suffered uh, second and third degree burns on your body. Uh, when do you see a recovery date? Have you been told by your doctors when you should be able to recover or when you expect to? In two years. Two years. And what types of treatment are you receiving now for all these injuries? How, how are you being helped to recover? Uh, right now, I have to, like, put cocoa butter on my wounds and stuff. And I'll be uh, receiving compression garments within the next week or so. And I have to wear those for the next two years. Uh, Marquez, hi, this is Wenzel. Um, I was just wondering, for, for those who aren't totally up on this story, could you give us your version of the events, the short version? Um, my boyfriend Anthony, and I, my boyfriend Anthony and I were asleep, and we woke up to boiling hot water. And this was thrown by. Uh, I'm sorry. I said, and and it was thrown by. Martin Blackwell, uh, Anthony's mom's boyfriend. Right, he was your boyfriend of, of, of six weeks. The 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 yeah that you were the person you were with. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So now, as I understand it, though, you didn't, it's like getting help for your, your, this wound, this injury was not an easy thing for you to do, right? Not at all. I mean, you had to go to, to the neighbors and nobody would help or there was a problem with a phone? We went to the neighbors downstairs and they wouldn't help us. So we had to run down the street to uh, other people and they helped, they ended up helping us. Now, Marcus, I, I, I want to ask you some questions because, you know, you live in, in Atlanta, yes? Yes, uh, correct. As gay people, we would expect a city like Atlanta. I mean, tell me, what is Atlanta typically like for, for LGBT people? It's usually just like the place to be, kind of, you know. Like they have a, there's a place in downtown called Midtown. It's kind of like the gayborhood. Right. So, yeah. It's usually a okay. It's it's a great place to be. Right. So, is that why you felt comfortable coming out? Um. One of the reasons, yeah. Now, when did you come out? Uh, when I was nineteen. Fantastic, and you're twenty-one now, right? Yes. All right. All right. Now I know that uh, in some of the reports. Your mother was very concerned about you coming out. What were her concerns with you coming out? She she didn't want anybody bothering me. What do you mean by bothering you? As if she didn't she didn't want anything like this to happen. She didn't want anybody mm-hmm. to harm me mentally, physically, you know, because I was gay or or because I'm not the most masculine person in the world. I mean, did you have an idea that the neighborhood or or your mother's boyfriend might be this hostile toward you? No, it wasn't. It wasn't my mom's boyfriend. It was Anthony's mom's boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the the perpetrator who you know we're gonna I want to talk about him in a second um, was just so far removed. Now, prior to this event on February twelfth, had you ever seen this gentleman before? Yes. In what context did you did you know this Blackwell character? I didn't know him all that well. He was just like in and out of the house. He um he was a truck driver. So he was on the road for the most part, but he would be there 
like a couple times a week. And when you say there, what do you mean by there? At Anthony's house, he, where he and his mom stay. Okay. So now we're getting, you know, to this actual event. So you and Anthony, can you tell me what, you know, what happened that evening? You and Anthony left work and what happened? We, we had gotten off of work at like 7 o'clock that morning. And we went to sleep around, I want to say, 12. And we had been asleep the entire time. And it was about, I think it was about 8 or 9 o'clock when we, were, when we woke up to the boiling hot water. In, in the morning, in the a.m.? No, at night. At night, okay. Wow. And what happened? I'm, this is uh, Abby. I'm uh, with IMRU. I, what happened when you finally got help? Did anybody arrest the perpetrator? Was, was there a response finally? College Park Police Department ended up arresting him shortly after because he had kicked us out of the house and locked himself in. And he just stayed there. And um, we called the police and they asked where he was. And we pointed to the place, and they went and got him. Wow. Wow. So you had to knock on neighbors' houses to get help. Who is helping you now during this recovery process? My family, my friends, mm-hmm. my mom, sisters. Wow. And medical bills must be adding up. It's, I mean, how can people who are listening help? I have a GoFundMe account you online. Do. Okay. Can you tell me uh, how I could find that GoFundMe page? Um, it's on Facebook. Fantastic. And I also believe we have it on our Facebook page. I was just about to say, we will make yeah. sure that we have a link to that on our yeah. Facebook page. We do, we do have it. It's GoFundMe.com uh, forward slash HRRPB9E4. I know that's hard to remember, but we will have it on our Facebook page as well. Now, Marquez, before we let you go, I know that you have, you're facing a two-year uh, healing process. What is keeping you motivated? The fact that I'm still here, you know, and I've always been a relatively happy person. And for this situation to be so dark and so tragic, is I basically have no choice but to find like the silver lining, mm. and all this has actually opened a few doors for me. So I can only I can't do anything but thank God and everybody else who's helped already. You know, my family, my friends. Wow. Well, you are an inspiration. You are an, an an incredibly courageous and brave young man for coming forward with this crime. We wish you the thank speediest you. of recoveries. Thank you very yeah. much for joining thank us. Thank you this so evening. much. Thank you, Marcus. Guys, I really appreciate everything. Right. You are so very welcome. Good night, young man. And just to go back to that story that we just heard in the news about the Religious Freedom Bill in, in Georgia, I mean, if that actually gets signed off on by the governor, he could have been denied hospital services Yeah. on the basis of we don't serve gay people. Exactly. And we don't hear these kinds of stories for people in this country because of their religious points of view. But unfortunately, we hear these sorts of stories all too often for people because they're LGBT. And Georgia doesn't have hate crime. Yeah, no. This isn't a hate, so crime, hate it, crime. It will not be tried as a hate crime. But I'm, I'm so proud that. of him for just coming out and speaking on this. That oh, takes yeah. a lot of guts. It does. And especially at that age. Yeah. Well, on Friday night, I am our you listener guest and friend Alice Herman 
passed away at the age of 80. She was first on the show six years ago when Steve Pride saw her speak at a rally protesting Social Security inequality. That was the law of the land back then. And he invited Alice to share her story with us. My name is Alice. I'm a 74-year-old woman. I found out I was gay when I was in my 20s, which feels like all of my life. And um, I've had two partners in my life, one of them for 45 years. So to me, I've had one partner in my life, Sylvia. How did you meet Sylvia? I may cry at moments because sometimes the tears just come when I don't expect them. And because a big part of me knows that Sylvia's right here with me because she wishes she could be speaking. (laughs) Anything I say, I say for the two of us because the life that we lived, we never occurred to us to live closeted. We never announced ourselves, hi, I'm Sylvia and Alice, I'm gay. We just lived our lives. We worked and we played and we had friends. We had gay friends and straight friends and everyone knew we were gay. She was a downtown girl. I was an uptown girl. And I was going to college while she was working nightclubs. I was learning how to be a school teacher while she was learning how to be a hat check girl. So we were very, very different. Her hair was flaming red, and she was very tiny, four foot eleven, and extremely gregarious. I was very shy and studious. Two very, very different people. That's why when we met, we were introduced as a joke, because I had broken up with someone, she had broken up with someone, and we had mutual friends. And I said, oh, let's introduce Sylvia and Alice. They'll never last one night together, ever. They'll have absolutely nothing to talk about. And for some reason or other, the differences balanced us. It was a balance that came. She had what I needed in my life. I had what she needed in her life. And together we made a life. And then last year, Sylvia passed away. Tell me about that loss. When she died, when Sylvia died, I did not know how to do life without Sylvia. I mean, after 45 years, we finished each other's sentences. It's a simple thing to say. But she was my other hand, my other leg. She was my my everything. After she died, I, I said to people, you know, how some people do WWJD. I said, my life friend right now is WWSD. What would Sylvia do? Because I needed her thought process in my life because that, that was how we balanced each other. I mean, who she was, she was, I was who I was. Put us together, we were a whole. Now half of me wasn't there. And I did not know who Alice was without Sylvia. Even though you were legally married in the state of California, Social Security didn't recognize you as a surviving spouse. What does that mean to you financially? It left me destitute. That's the gift the federal government gave me. They couldn't even give me the $200 that they'd automatically send as a death benefit. You know, not that it pays to bury anybody, but that's what they send, the $200. They didn't even send that. It was as though my 45 years never happened. It was devastating. And I also didn't have the money to pay the rent. You both worked. How long did you pay into the system? I started working when I was 15. And I was born in 1935, so I was 15, what, 1950. And I'm 74. I stopped working 
somewhere around 90-something or other. At least 40 years I've paid into the system, if not more. I was a school teacher and I was a social worker. Sylvia worked longer than that because uh, she started younger than that when she was in Greenwich Village. And she, she worked more consistently. When we came from New York to California, she was already in the garment industry and had worked her way up. And at that point, she was just a full-charge bookkeeper. Later, she became an office manager and uh, a chief financial officer. I mean, she really worked her way up through street smarts, which is what she had. I had book smarts. She had street smarts. That's, you know, we were that balance. It was interesting. What are the numbers? What would your income be if your relationship was recognized by the federal government? I would have had approximately, I'll say, $1,400 a month more. That's a lot of money. Could I be living in the lap of luxury? No. But for sure, I would have been able to pay for my medication, which I can't always pay for. Recently, I've been approved for extra help, but that's only in the last uh, month. But up until that, if uh, I needed medication and I needed to take, let's say, two pills a day, I would take one. I have COPD. I have difficulty breathing. I don't use the inhaler every time I need it because I don't want to use it up because it costs me $78 a month to refill it. Those may seem like silly things to other people, but you know what? The big things. You don't eat the same way. You don't. There are a lot of things you just don't do. I wish I could speak to a congressional committee and have them look at me and look them directly in the eye and ask them exactly what it is about my relationship that they felt that we were not entitled to the same Social Security benefits as uh, a straight couple who has been together for five years, not 45 years. What makes them feel that we are not as entitled as a straight couple who has been divorced and no longer living together, but they were living together for X amount of time. What makes those people have more of a marriage by definition than ours? I want them to look me in the eye and tell me. I, I really believe, Steve, that if we could just put ourselves out there and they could see who we are as people, and not as just words, gay, homosexual, lesbian. Those are just words. They mean nothing. I am a woman who loved a woman who loved me. And we had a life together. And if what we had was not a marriage, I will repeat again and again, what is the definition of marriage? If it is not love and devotion and caring and spending a life together, and being a unit that contributes to society together. What is a marriage? I think Sylvia would be so proud of you. Thank you. Alice Herman. After many years of facing unequal access to critical Social Security benefits like spousal, survivor, and death benefits, same-sex married couples and widows are now generally on the same footing as their opposite-sex counterparts, thanks in large part to people like Alice speaking out. There will be a memorial service for Alice Hope Harmon this Friday at Triangle Square Apartments in Hollywood at 2 p.m. Alice was a friend of the station and 
We'd like to invite more people to come and become members of KPFK. If you are not a member of KPFK, you can become one. You can pledge $25. Uh, you can go online at kpfk.org and click New Membership to support this family and bring you programming. Like this, this is what we're calling our soft pitch because yes. instead of the goals they have during the hard pitch where they say, we've got to raise $1,000 in an hour, we would just need four people to call and become new members at $25, and that would be our goal. If we got that every show, that would be a success. That would be great. You know, thinking also about the Social Security thing, you know, it's so tempting to think, oh, we've got equality. Okay, we've got it. But all think about all those couples that where one partner died before they were able to get legal equality. Mm -hmm. They don't have the benefit of their partner's Social Security, and there's nothing they can do about it. So we still have a lot of work to do, and we have a lot of inequality that we still have to repair if it's possible. And who's going to bring you that story? Why, IMRU, IMRU on KPFK. So just go to imru.kpfk.org and uh, pledge $25, become a member of this fine organization, and we get credit for it. Or just call and give what you can. Um, everything is really appreciated. So, still to come, singer and songwriter Tom Goss joins us live in studio. And the time is now 7.31. We'll be right back. Jane Adams, social work pioneer and peace activist, coming up now on The Rainbow Minute. Jane Addams was born in Illinois in 1860. Although from an upper-class family, she became known for her compassionate service to the poor. In the 1880s, she opened the Hull House in poverty-stricken Chicago, where Adams pioneered the concept of the independent woman, incorporating leadership training. Adams believed the dominant male values of her time contributed to poverty, urban blight, and war, and believed the duty of women was to propose different models for living. Her belief that war was the supreme social evil garnered her the Nobel Peace Prize in 1931. Adams' closest companion was Mary Rosette Smith, who championed the work at the Hull House. Adams considered this 40-year relationship nothing short of a marriage. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Mary Gay Hutcherson. Hello, I'm Dennis Shepard, Matthew Shepard's father. And you're listening to IMRU Radio Magazine on KPFK-FM, 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 99.5 Ridgecrest, China Lake, 93.7 San Diego, or streaming online at kpfk.org. Welcome back. You're listening to IMRU Radio, and I'm Abby Dees. I'm Wenzel Jones. And I'm Vosh Bodhi. And we are going to hear a little bit of a tune called uh, Bears by our guest who's with us in studio, Tom Goss. But first, Bears. <laughs> All bears today. 
That obviously. was Bears by award-winning singer-songwriter Tom Goss, who is here with us at IMRU. Welcome, Tom. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, you are uh, all over the place. You've got songs on the internet. You are, you're exploding with uh, Son of a Preacher Man, who mm-hmm. was done by somebody once before. Would oh, it be, who was Would that? it be my girl, Dusty Springfield? That is hallowed ground, but we'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah. um, but one thing I noticed when I was l- looking, sort of researching you and getting ready for this interview was that you really embrace this idea of being a gay artist. A lot of people sort of push that away. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I consider myself... I, I'm not sure if I even consider myself a gay artist. I consider myself a gay person, and I consider mm. myself an artist, and I consider myself a storyteller. And really what I'm trying to do is tell stories, tell stories. And I'm telling stories from my experience and from my community's experience. And those in and of itself become, you know, quote-unquote gay stories. I don't really like that term that I just made up, I guess. <laughs> but uh, there's stories, but there's stories yeah. about our community. For so long, our community's just been told to be quiet or that these stories don't exist or they're swept under the rug. And I and I don't think that we have enough of these stories out there. And so I'm doing what I can to to tell these stories in a, in a, uh, a good and compelling way. One of the songs that has gotten a lot of attention is, a, well, it's a video that's gotten a lot of attention in particular of yours is Lover, mm-hmm. which the video really kind of addresses the don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Um, the idea of, of somebody in danger and being separated from their partner and being silent in that relationship being silenced. But the song itself doesn't seem explicitly about that. Um, no. Were you thinking about that when you were writing it? I wasn't. I, I was. Um, it was like Christmas. Not. It might, have, it might have been Christmas Eve. Um, it sort of been like 2008. I want to say, and uh, um, I was at the time running a meal program for the homeless, and um, so I wasn't home or with my husband, and I was just. Like doing this, I woke up at five in the morning to do this thing. And then at nine in Washington, D.C., everybody's gone, you know. (laughs) So I was just by myself at a piano thinking about how much I missed my husband. Um, And it wasn't until later uh, when I was actually talking to a friend of mine who was telling me about the screenplay he was writing about the story that I realized, oh, wow, you're right. That's a really compelling way to tell the story. and, And it flows really well. And we could do some good work with it. And so I called him up and I said, hey, Denny, uh, hey, I'm going to steal your idea. Is that cool? <laughs> and he was it's like, always good to ask before you steal. He, he was like, yeah, I would be honored. And then that became Lover. What kind of response did you get to that? Lover? We had a really powerful response. It was uh, um, October of, of 2010. And it was uh, um, right right in the middle of, 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 of everything. Don't ask, don't tell, falling apart. And uh, I think Don't Ask, Don't Tell lasted nine days after <laughs> Don't, after Lover came out. So, I, I, you know, maybe it was us. No, but I'm not going to take that credit. But it was, uh, you know, it was great. And we worked with uh, one of the things you don't know is that the soldiers in that video are actually uh, real life discharged soldiers. We work really closely with SLDN um, to, to get people who had really compelling stories in, and to tell their story as um, as accurately as possible. Wow. Um, moving to recently, the most recent thing that I'm aware of that you did was your very unusual spin on Son of a Preacher Man, mm-hmm. which uh, the video and everything, because you spent the videos, you spend a good minute and a half telling a story of a homophobic preacher. Sure. And doing this from a gay perspective is, I don't know, for some reason, that just seems like such a 
Great way to honor Dusty. I don't know if you meant to do that. Yeah. No, for sure. There was, I mean, we thought a lot about this and everything we did in this was very intentional. And and I actually got an email from one of Dusty's backup singers um, last week just telling me how much he would have loved it and how honored they were by it. And it kind of floored me to see this uh, this gay icon who was who was closeted because she had to be at the time and to to, to, to take her song and to, to really give it that perspective. And it was different than Lover in a sense because we really had the story we knew we wanted to tell this story, and we knew we wanted to do it with this song, and it became almost more of like uh, scoring a movie than than all, like Lover and all my other music videos. There's there's albums out and there's songs out, and then you're like, what would be a cool video for this song? But this one, we were like, we want to tell this story. We want to we want to do it well. We want it to be impactful. How would that sound? You know. Now, Tom, I, I have to jump in with the shallow yet related question. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed in the congregation when you set up the scene in the church that there was Mrs. Betty Bowers, <laughs> the creation of the talented and delightful Devin Green. Do you yeah. know her? Is she a friend? I of love Devin. Show? She's a friend of mine. And, uh, um, you know, I asked her to, to be in it just because uh, she's beautiful and she's talented and I, I admire her work. And, and for me for me, and for people that know uh, Devin and Betty, it's kind of a little Easter egg in there that you can that you can in 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 a in a video that's so heavy there's a little levity at the front where you're like oh okay like it's kind of you're tipping your hat yeah. to like to like what's going to go and you're kind of you're kind of poking the preacher at the same time which and, you is know, and her face went by I thought well played sir well played <laughs> <laughs> well on that very serious note I am wondering if you could play son of a preacher man for yeah, us yeah i'm happy to play it Billy Ray was a preacher's son And when his daddy would visit he'd come along And when they started talking That's when Billy would take me walking Out the back door we'd go walking Then he'd look into my eyes Lord knows it was my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only one who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes he was, yes he was, yes he was Being good isn't always easy No matter how hard I try When he starts sweet talking to me Kiss and tell me everything is alright Kiss and tell me everything is alright Can I get away tonight? The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes he was, yes he was, yes he was How I remember that look in his eyes Stealing kisses from me on the sly Taking time to make time Telling me he's all mine Learning from each other's knowing Look at it here how much we're growing Who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man 
The only one who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only one who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man The only one yeah, that was dope. <laughs> uh, okay, we totally have to get a tumultuous applause clip because our three little pairs that. of hands are so inadequate to these performances that we hear here. No, that was great. And one thing I, I noticed, because I'm a music geek, is you have done a very unique instrumentation, your chords, everything. It, sure. You brought a much more solemn approach to this song. And when I heard the recorded version, I actually kind of thought of Eleanor Rigby a little bit. Mm. It had that same kind of sound with the strings. Well, the weird thing about it is I wrote it on the piano you know mm. and I was kind of just just working on on how this was sound sonically and I, I wrote it on the piano and and I and I liked it and it was exactly the same as it was on the guitar but there was the vibe just wasn't quite right and I was talking to to Nicholas the guy who arranged the strings and he was like yeah I mean it's kind of cool why don't you try to play it on the guitar you know and I really wanted to be really honest to the weird chords that I was playing on the piano and those don't always translate as as you know as a guitar player yeah. and so I had to translate them into really weird little chords, um, and I think it, 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 once it once it transferred into the guitar, you know, it started to really shine. Yeah, it really works. Um, how when you came out, how much of a role did music play in that? I don't know. I've never I've never even thought about that. I mean, I, I guess music plays a role in everything that I do because it's my therapist. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. There wasn't particularly like I was listening to a song and thinking like, "Oh, this speaks to me." I think music music played a role in after realizing that I was gay and falling in love almost immediately after, and in that be, becoming you know my marriage to my husband and all that. Music became a central part of me telling that story um, and processing you know everything that had happened to me up to that point and beyond that point in a way that I think propelled me to say, I want to tell this story. I want to tell the story about how wholesome it is and how good it is and how loving it is and how uplifting it is and how healing it is and, and, and say that from the perspective of a gay relationship because people hear those songs on the radio and they think, that's how I feel, you know, but as a gay as a gay man or a gay woman, you're mostly thinking like, oh, I, want, I hope I can have that one day, you yeah. know? And and just so people can appreciate how long a journey this has been for you, you began in the seminary, didn't you? That was my question, Wenzel. Sorry. <laughs> I, I wanted to sound like the smart one just this one time. Oh, yeah, you can have it just this once. Yeah. I Thanks. thought that question was brilliant. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah, but I was training to become a Catholic priest. And, um, and yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I really wanted to work in, in, in uh, reconciliation and interreligious dialogue and, and help people heal Um and help people be reconciled with, with one another and with the church. And it's funny, people always ask me, like, I really wish I would have met you then and see how different you've become. And I'm always like, I don't know how different I am. I think my mission is is has been pretty steadfast, you know, since I was 20. And it's just it's just taken a different form, and I have a different platform. Um, but I, I think I'm, I'm trying to do the same things. Why did you go into the seminary? What called you? Well, like I said, I really, you know, I think it's, I think I was uh, fairly asexual at the time. I wasn't attracted to men or women. And um, 
and so the idea of celibacy was was pretty easy for me. I was like, oh, I don't understand what the big deal is. And um, uh, now you do. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it's definitely taken on a more complex meaning. And so I was celibate already, and you know, I was seeing all the people that were hurting, and I I wanted to help. You know, it's really that simple. This is Abby Dees, and we're talking with Tom Goss, singer-songwriter, and I'm wondering if you have another song you can play for us. Yeah, I'm going to play a song called More Than Temporary. I just finished a record uh, about two weeks ago, which I haven't even been talking about at all because I've been so swamped with this video, and I'm not even going to say when it's going to release because I haven't thought about it, but I'm going to play a new song. It's It's called More Than Temporary. be love it feels like it's something more than temporary oh I'm just waking up it's more than the sun that greets this Sunday morning now subtle Sweetest kiss Feigning risk While singing shifts It's true And all because of you oh, This could be love It feels like it's something more than temporary oh just waking up it's more than the sun that greets this sunday morning now so take a chance on me and i'll take a chance on you before we're just what was oh This could be love It feels like it's something More than Temporary Oh Just waking up It's more than the sun That greets this Sunday morning Oh This could be love It feels like it's something More than Temporary Oh Just waking up it's more than the sun that greets this Sunday morning. 
Yay. Romance is not dead. Now, Thank Tom, you. did you set out to write the official Walking Down the Aisle at Your Wedding song? Because it sounds like <laughs> you have. Because Pachelbel's canon is just so old. <laughs> so over that. It sounds like a wine commercial now. That wasn't my goal, but I would be happy if that was the case. It's so great. I was sitting there thinking, oh, I could hear Karen Carpenter sing this. Yeah. I could hear. It's like all the standard wedding song people. I think mm-hmm. this works with everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's just love. It's just love. So this is a song. Uh, how many songs have you recorded, or how far are you into your newest album? It's done. It's done. I mean, I have it in it's my in hand. It's in the bag. It's, it's done. It's mixed. It's mastered. It's sitting in my hand. I work with this uh, guy by the name of Marzim, who's an amazing producer, and it's very different. And I think people are going to be like, they're going to listen to it the first time. They're going to be like, oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> That's it. No, every good musician has to sort of tick off the fans with a change. Yeah, but they're going to they're gonna love it. Well, how would you describe it? Uh, it's definitely a lot more like uh, electro synth pop influenced, uh, but it doesn't betray it doesn't betray my like uh, um, organic singer songwriter sensibilities. I mean, obviously, you just heard that song, you know, and so you see it's it's very rooted in 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 good succinct songwriting, and that's that stuff's not going to change, and there's still going to be my guitar in it. But it's an interesting blend of the two. I'm loving that there's no betrayal. No, there's no. <laughs> I would never betray you. So, so you've got this album, uh, and you don't know exactly when it's coming out yet. But if people want to find out when it's coming out, well, they can go to my website, uh, which is tomgussmusic.com, or follow me on Facebook, which is facebook.com/tomgussmusic, or Twitter, tomgussmusic, or Instagram, tomgussmusic. I think you're kind of getting the gist. Yeah, of it. so pretty much look for Tom Goss on the internet. Look for Tom Goss music. Yeah. And. So what is one thing that you haven't done yet that you're hoping to do? Like, what's your fantasy next You mean project? musically? Yeah, anything, actually. I mean, I would love... <laughs> I, well, I'm going to Asia next okay. month. Okay. I mean, if we're just talking personally. But anything? You know. All yeah, right, that's cool. I'm, I'm really excited I'm going to Asia. I'm lo- really looking forward to that. I got, I Where got, in Asia? I'm going to Thailand and the Philippines. Yeah. Oh, you'll, you'll be happy. I grew up in the Philippines. You'll love it. Did you really? I did. Oh, okay. I'm going to Palawan, which is mm-hmm. an island, mm-hmm. and I'm going to just relax on the beach in the Philippines. That's my goal. Okay. There. And musically? Musically. Oh, yeah, okay. Well. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, one of the reasons I, I'm in Los Angeles is because I want to collaborate more with people. I want to write more with people. I want um, to be writing more in movies and in commercials and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, all those things. Do you have a dream collaboration? I mean, my dream combination is Childish Gambino, but that's not going to happen because it's so weird. <laughs> Any, I have no idea who I am. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. I also just want to say that you ha- have been acting. You had a lead role in a uh, film called Out to Kill mm-hmm. just I'm shooting years a new ago. movie this summer called Please Don't Eat the Pansies. Um, so keep an eye out for that. All right. And thank you so much, Tom. I really wish we had more time. Uh, we thank could you. sit and listen to you play all the time, but good luck and come back when that album comes out. I will, thank you. And and before you're gone, I just want to mention everybody, his eyes are impossibly blue and so wasted <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> Steve, do we have time? You don't know how hard, you don't know how hard, you don't know how hard it is to be this. You don't know how hard, you don't know how hard, you don't know how hard it is to be this. Okay, we just had to throw that in. That was Tom Goss, too, just showing you how many hats he can wear. That's from that's him singing from Out to Kill, his movie. And it is rough. 
being hot. It is. It's so hard. Mm. I struggle with it every day. <laughs> but if you love things like this, um, this is our soft pitch. If you just have a little bit of time and a little bit of money and you want to share it with I Am Are You, give us a call. We're not doing a big uh, fun drive, but we certainly could use the support anytime you want to give it. Um, 818. 985. Oh, actually, no. They're supposed to do it online. We, we don't have anybody ah. answer the phone. That's oh, how soft am, this pitch yes, is. Someone was banging at the control so, room window. So just go to kpfk.org, and it's very easy to follow the directions, and you can just donate $25 there. We need a scant for donations That's all we need. to earn our right to occupy this airspace. And we know you're out there. And with your donation, you get a membership to KPFK. And you don't want to call. Become, you want to become a member. <laughs> Because we are member-supported radio here at KPFK. Just go online, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the end of our ride, folks. We know you have a lot of choices on the radio dial and appreciate that you took your journey with us tonight. Our thanks to tonight's director, Mr. Matthew McLaughlin, who we have not seen for a while, coordinating producer Steve Pride, our board operator Gary Baca, our Rainbow Minute producers Judd Proctor and Brian Burns. Yes, and you can follow us on Facebook at IMRU Radio, where the link to the latest show will be posted by Tuesday. And when you're there, like us, please. do like us. And we'll close with a beautiful song by Tom Goss, the one we were just talking about, called Lover. Winter rain, it falls too hard Take my hand and take my heart In these times when we're apart You are still my lover I can feel your whisper close Like the sweetness of a rose When I turn I hear your voice You're my only lover They say that everyone Thousand years of love may come To wrap you up and tie your bones Well, I've got mine And you met me off the train You knew my face, you knew my name It's my soul you came to claim Yeah, you heal me, lover You held me close, you held me tight Those arms, they took me through the night Wake to grant me a new life You inspire me, lover They say that everyone Thousand years of love may come To wrap you up and tie your bones Tragedy seems to strike At the peak of any life No, no matter what it tries You are still my lover I hold you close, I hold you fast And wipe those tears back with my hand And when we both return to sand You are still my lover They say that everyone 
I've got mine.